Have you ever woken up uh, early in the morning, and it's still pretty dark out, and uh, you don't have time to uh, actually look in a mirror, and you show up for work, and you're wearing this? (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Felt the same. Seemed to be the same in the dark, but they're not. Or uh, the guy who uh, did this showed up for work. Ah, shirt was on inside out. This is one of the reasons that we actually need mirrors in our life. We need them to see who we are so that we know what God may want to change so that we can become who he'd like us to be. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading in James chapter 1. Starting in verse 19, you're welcome to follow along with me this morning. Uh, What we're going to be doing, actually, is uh, kind of a three mini-sermons, because that's kind of what James has here. It's really got one theme, or thread, I should say, that kind of runs down through, and it's the middle sermon, uh, middle couple of verses, that actually tie the other two together. Uh, If you remember a couple weeks ago uh, when we did our intro into the book of James, we were reminded that when James, the younger half-brother of Jesus, writes this letter, he's writing it to all of these uh, Christ followers that have kind of been scattered around the Roman Empire. And this is James kind of just spitballing a bunch of his wisdom out to them. And and he gets his wisdom from really kind of two main places. Um, One is the Old Testament, especially the book of Proverbs, all right, which is wisdom literature, and then also the teachings of Jesus, uh, specifically the Sermon on the Mount is something that James continually seems to be echoing uh, to us. We're actually going to see that again today in our text. Uh, But one of the things uh, that you'll recognize as we walk through this letter that James wrote is it feels like James is like, boom, he's over here. And then like in the next verse, he's like, boom, he's over here. And and sometimes you wonder like, where's the common theme? Where's the thread, bro? It's like he's all over the place. Well, part of that's on purpose because James is giving us wisdom, things that he's learned over the years, just like Proverbs. You ever read through Proverbs? Feels like it's like a great little saying here, then a great little saying here, and maybe talk about, you know, money for a couple of verses, and then maybe talk about friendships for a couple of verses, and talk about other, th- and it just kind of jumps, James will feel that way a little bit to us as well. So you're going to see kind of three different things, but there is a tie-in in the middle, and it's the most important thing. Think of what we're doing today as like a sandwich, okay? You got the meat, the good stuff right in the middle. It's what ties it all together, but the buns matter. And there's a couple of buns that we're going to look at today. That sounded weird. <laughs> Did not plan that. Hashtag buns matter. Okay. <laughs> Woo! All right, let's bring this one back. James chapter one, starting in verse 19. <laughs> My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you. Key phrase right there. Which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The word of the Lord. So, what I'd like to do is take our first little kind of mini chunk that James talks about. Uh, We actually see it in verses 19 and 20, and then he picks up on the theme again in verse 26. So I'm going to read them together. We'll uh, spend a little bit of time talking about what I think James has for us in this one, this couple of verses. So, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Uh, Have you ever been to a train crossing? Especially like one out in the country where maybe there's no like, you know, gates that come down or lights. You know what I'm talking about? Seen that before? Like just a couple little signs, right? Do you know what you're supposed to do when you come to a train crossing that's out in the country like that and there's no lights or anything? Stop. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. there's a stop sign, so that one's fairly obvious. Three things. Yeah, oh, you're kind of on the, yeah, roll down your windows. You're supposed to stop, look, and listen. Y'all are good. I didn't even know all that before I was, like, writing this. Stop, look, and listen. Those are the three things that you're supposed to do. Now, I think that's exactly what James is trying to say to us today. We're supposed to stop, look, and listen. Stop before rushing to judgment and potentially stepping into the path of an oncoming train. James reminds us, your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Verse 29. Put it another way, God is the source of true righteousness, not me and not you. So first we want to stop. Take a quick second. And then he he says we need to look, try to discern what's going on. Uh, How many of your parents have ever said this? You've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. (laughs) That's not actually even true. I mean, the two ears and one mouth thing is true. But that's not really the right proportion, to be honest. All right? Not only do we have two ears, we've also got two eyes as well. It's not just the things that we... Uh, here, it's also paying attention to body language, right? Because a lot of communication is actually not coming from what's being said, but how it's being said and what's going on. But even a four to one, I don't think is the right correlation. I think it's probably like a 10, a 20 to one in reality of what we're supposed to do. And, And it's what James is kind of getting at. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We stop, we look, and we listen. Um, my wife and I, uh, we see a, a marriage counselor. We have uh, this last year been super helpful for us. Uh, Mario has been teaching us uh, a way to interact uh, with each other, a uh, communication technique that he calls heart talk and work talk. 
okay? And so this is what a heart talk is, and I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, this is not a heart talk that Brenda and I have had, but it's one that we possibly could have. So I'll give you a real illustration. Uh, my wife could come to me, and she could say, Torn, I'd like to have a heart talk, and I would have to then agree to having a heart talk, all right? And uh, what a heart talk means is that she's going to tell me something that she's frustrated with, and I have to listen to her. So uh, in this scenario, she might come to me and say, Torn, I'd like to have a heart talk uh, because uh, I've asked you for two weeks now to take all of the clothes that have been folded that are at the end of the bed and put them away. And you still have not put them away. Now, in a heart talk, I cannot defend myself. Okay? I have to then speak back to her what I've heard her say to me. So I would say to Brenda, Brenda, I hear you saying that you're frustrated that the clothes have been folded, have not been put away yet. And she would say, yes, that's kind of what I'm saying, but really uh, what I'm feeling is not just that I'm frustrated. Uh, I feel like you don't love me when you're not doing the thing that I've asked you to do. And then I would have to say, not defend, it sounds like you're saying that you don't feel loved when I don't put the clothes away that are at the end of the bed. And she would say, yes, that's exactly how I feel. And then I would say, okay, can I have a heart talk now? And she would then have to agree. And then I would say, uh, honey, I've been doing all the work outside because it's starting to get cold and I'm trying to get everything ready. And so you're right, I haven't done that stuff, but it's because I've been doing this out here. And she would say, Torin, I hear you saying that you've been working really hard outside and haven't gotten to the clothes yet. And I would say, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And then we would have work talk. And she would say, all right, work talk. And uh, I would say, all right, you're right. I'm sorry that you haven't felt loved because I have not paid attention to the clothes that you've asked me to put away. I will put the clothes away by the end of the day because we've got people coming over. And she would say, that would be awesome. And she would say, and thank you so much for the work that you've been doing outside. Uh, and that's a heart talk, work talk, okay? The whole point of a heart talk which has been something that Brendan and I, to be honest, uh, at least for me, I'm not good at this. I'm definitely still working on it, is learning how to listen to someone else without trying to come up with an answer or defend yourself. It's listening to understand rather than listening to respond. I find myself way too often listening to respond. Do you? Mm -hmm. um, stop Look and listen. Uh, did you, uh, do you know what position in football fumbles the most? Some of you are like, I don't even care about football. Well, that's all right. That's fine. Uh, my boys at GV knocked off Ferris State yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. Um, I kind of thought that it was probably maybe a wide receiver or maybe somebody on kickoff team or running backs that fumbled more than any other position, but it's not. It's the quarterback. Quarterback fumbles. In fact, uh, NFL players, the top 30 players with the most fumbles in the history of the NFL are all quarterbacks. You have to get to number 31 before you get a running back. Do you know why? Because quarterbacks have the ball a lot. James, in James chapter 3, verse 1, actually says, not many of us should desire to become teachers because teachers talk a lot. 
uh, well, this teacher uh, had to eat some humble pie this past Monday. Because at our leadership team meeting with our elders, we were having a discussion. And uh, as the discussion was happening, uh, I started feeling myself get defensive. And as I got defensive, um, I said some things that uh, changed the course of the conversation. Uh, I didn't blow up and scream or shout or anything like that, but, but I said a statement or two with some heat. Do you know what I'm saying? Powered up. And uh, instantly, um, after the not very well thought through words left my mouth, uh, I saw the impact and tried to apologize, but the damage had been done. It changed kind of the course of the evening. And I got to live with that. Um, even with an apology. And I don't think it's anything that we're not going to get over, anything like that, but uh, I had to preach this message this week. On the tongue. After just blowing it. I don't know about you, but James hits on stuff that's real life for me. Uh, it's not just how I interact uh, with our leadership team. Um, hopefully that's not super often, and I'm going to continue to grow into that better and better. But it's also how I treat my kids, treat my wife. I want to be better. I want to grow in these things. I hope you feel the same way. James actually does have a solution for us, a way for us to continue to step into this more and more. And that's what we're going to look at. That's kind of the meat that ties these two pieces of bread <laughs> together. And that's the first piece of bread. The second piece of bread is actually found uh, in the very last verse in this small little chunk that we're looking at today, verse 27. Let me read that for us. Religion that God our Father finds as pure or accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Mini sermon number two. You want to know what God cares about? The underdog, the helpless, the oppressed, the poor. This is actually all over scripture. All throughout the, New, or the Old Testament, we see God's heart for the poor and the oppressed. We see God's heart against injustice. Jesus talks all about this throughout his teachings care for the poor and the oppressed. Uh, James has already made some strong statements a little bit earlier in chapter 1, verses 9 and 11, about the rich and the poor. All throughout the New Testament, we see this theme come up over and over and over again. I'd like you to listen to this quote from a New Testament scholar. Her name is Dr. Martha Moore Keish. She is at Columbia Theological. She says, there's no doubt that concern for economically marginalized people and critique of the rich is at the center of James's understanding of God's word. In this, he echoes a major theme in the Hebrew Bible and in Jesus' teachings, specifically Matthew 25 and Mark 12. Now listen to what she says. Scholars note 
that in referring to widows and orphans, James is highlighting the systemic social oppression of these disadvantaged groups. The call to care for such classes of people, then, is not simply urging members of the community to send charitable gifts to individuals. Important, though, that is. Pure and undefiled religion, or pure and faultless religion, is also working to change the systems themselves that keep people in situations of poverty. So, dear brothers and sisters, to use Paul's word, or James's words, we are supposed to care about systemic injustice. We need to care what happens at the border. We need to care about the refugee crisis that happens not only in our country, but around the world, and the systems that can cause this injustice. We cannot become polluted by the world that tells us that our security, financial or otherwise, is paramount to who we are as Christians. It is not. Now, let me be clear about something. This is not me trying to jump on a hobby horse. I'm not trying to talk about the right of our political divide or the left of our political divide. What I'm trying to do is genuinely and honestly help us understand what God's word is saying in this moment in this passage of scripture that James has spoken to us. Um, Basically, what God's word says is if we spend time reading it, it will become a mirror for us, and it will show us the heart of God and the things that God cares about. And if we're going to care about the things that God cares about, then we're going to care about the poor and the oppressed and the systems that actually create that. We're going to recognize some things about that that we have the ability to change or at least not play into. Um, Let me say just a few words, though, because I know that uh, as soon as we start talking about this, uh, many of us can start to feel a little bit triggered, right? Because we hear this stuff talked about a lot. Like, depending upon which particular channel of news you enjoy listening to, uh, it feels really different. And and, and we can wonder, like, well, all right, what's Torn really getting at here? What's he really trying to say? So let me share a couple of of thoughts. Um, Caring about systemic injustice does not mean that we no longer hold individuals responsible for their actions. We can, we should, we must continue to hold one another responsible for our actions. We can't simply blame it on systems all the time and say that, oh, well, it's the system. No, no, we are all responsible for what we do, how we act, okay? However, we also still need to seek to listen to our brothers and sisters when they share their experiences of systemic injustice. This is exactly what James says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Uh, If I'm being honest, I'm not a massive fan of the term white privilege. I think it's often used as a weapon to shame or even intimidate which is ironic, to be honest. But I also have to pay attention to the reality that that word or that phrase actually shares an awful lot about the reality that I personally have experienced. Uh, I can't help that I'm a white male. It's who God made me to be. He created me. I am this thing, and I shouldn't be ashamed 
intimidated by what God's created me to be, but I should also be willing to acknowledge that my experience is not the same as many of my brothers and sisters. And I need to be real about that and honest about that. I've never once been afraid of being pulled over by a police officer like my brother Dante has. I've never walked into a department store and noticed staff following me around and watching me like a number of my black and brown friends have shared with me. I've never walked down the street and wondered if someone was going to say something mean or physically assault me simply because of the tone of my skin and my facial features. But my wife, who is an Asian American, absolutely has. I've got to to be willing to have the courage to see the injustice and the systems that at times perpetuate that injustice and in the name of Jesus, do what I can to dismantle it. This is what James is talking about. This is not CNN or Fox News. We are not on the left or the right. We are trying to be people of the word. And so as people of the word, we are not going to be afraid to say, hey, look, I might not have created the injustice. I might not have created the system, but I recognize that I play a role in this world and I can then step forward into places and spaces to be an advocate, to tear things down that shouldn't be there. I don't have to be ashamed of the fact that I'm a white male and there have been some things that very much are in my favor living in America as a result. I don't have to be ashamed of that, but I have to recognize it And I have to then try to use the power that I've been given to speak out on behalf of those that don't have the same power. That's what James says when he says, you want to know what religion that's pure and faultless looks like? It's taking a looking out after orphans and widows in their distress, paying attention to the systems that have created that kind of inequality, that injustice. Now, friends, Both of these two little mini sermons, okay, the top bun and the bottom bun of our burger, are all held together by what comes right in the middle, verses 21 through 25. So I'd like to take a look at that, and I think that will help us understand what James is really after, because what he's done with the the top piece of bread and the bottom piece of bread is give us two examples that help us understand what he's really after, okay? Starting in verse 21, James says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what the word says. Anyone who listens to the word, hear a theme here, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, speaking about the word again, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The word planted in you. Uh, This is James referring to the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, uh, what we would call the Bible, but just not only the Bible. For centuries, uh, most folks didn't have access to the Bible the way you and I do. So it was actually the teaching that was heard in church gatherings for the last 2,000 years 
the people that they interacted with that embodied that word and then showed it in their lives and in the things that they talked about. That's the word that James is referring to. He actually talks about it first in verse 18. We didn't read verse 18, but he talks about it as the seed that brings us life. Then in 21, it's the word that's implanted in us, kind of grows roots and like reaches deep into all of our spaces and places, into our, deep into our mind, penetrates into our heart. And then in 22 and 23, it's this word that transforms us as we not only hear it, but then live it out with action. And what metaphor does James use to describe the word? A mirror. Some of y'all are like, oh, it's right in my face now. A mirror. James says the word is a mirror, and we would be foolish to actually walk to a mirror Look at our reflection, turn around and instantly forget and not do anything, right? Can you imagine if every single one of us woke up today and we all walked to the mirror, took a quick look, right? You still got that morning breath, hair's doing this, you know, stuff on your face, you don't even know what it's from. You're like, is that on my pillow or did I just fall asleep eating? I don't know and I'm not judging you, okay? And then we walked away and didn't do anything. And y'all showed up looking like that. This place would be a lot uglier. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot. <laughs> That's the point of a mirror. The same thing happens when we look at God's word and we don't actually put it into action. When we just hear it but don't do anything with it. It actually makes us a little uglier. There's, a, there's an organization called He Gets Us. Um, They've actually spent $100 million, doing a $100 million campaign uh, to basically try and make Jesus look good. True story. You, uh, there's actually, uh, I won't call him out, but there's actually someone in the church right now who's wearing one of the shirts. You all know this uh, if you actually watched any of the football games because the commercials were on uh, a number of times yesterday. I saw one. Uh, The reason that they're doing this campaign of commercials is because, uh, and it's interesting, it's uh, actually, um, I don't remember who's bankrolling it, but the the marketing firm is in Grand Haven, Michigan, that's doing this national campaign. And this is what they said. Uh, The campaign has done extensive market research and found that many Americans like Jesus, they like him, but they are skeptical of his followers. Most people said the behavior of Christians is a barrier to faith. More than two-thirds agreed with the statement, followers of Jesus say one thing, but do not follow those things in practice. Most people also agreed that Christians care only about stopping abortions rather than caring for moms and their children. The movement hopes to bridge the gap between the story of Jesus and the public perception of his followers. I love that somebody's throwing $100 million to try to make the, the, the commercials are awesome. They're great. They help us kind of maybe see Jesus in a new way. But if we really want to make a difference in how we're perceived, then we've got to be people of the mirror. People who are willing to go to God's word and let it reflect who we currently are to see who we could be, should be. The very thing that our deepest desires in our hearts actually long for. Maybe not what our strongest desires are, but this does show us our deepest 
desires. And when we open up God's word, it becomes a mirror where we can see who we are and who God is and what he desires for us. And what James has done this morning is he's given us basically two different examples, paying attention to our mouths, that it matters how we speak and talk to others, how well we listen to them, not just to respond, but to understand. And he's also talked about the kind of religion that God desires from us, that we would care about the poor and the oppressed, pay attention to the systems that create it and be people of change and innovation, people who are willing to wade into the deep waters, the dark waters, the dirty waters, and say, you know what? I am going to be here along with you. That's religion that God our Father finds us pure and faultless. When we don't give in to everything that the world tells us is actually going to bring us peace and joy, but rather open up the word to find out what is truly going to bring us life. When we are people who not just know it, but live it, that's when the world is going to see what Jesus is really like. And I don't know about you, but I've got a long way to go. I'm not there yet, but I'm better than I used to be. Jesus isn't giving up on me and he's not giving up on you. And I don't know what kind of failure, difficulty, way that you've blown it this past week. I don't know how you're gonna blow it this coming week, but I know you will. And when you do, what we're both going to do is get back up off the ground and dust ourselves off and we're gonna go back to the mirror. And the mirror is gonna help us recognize who we are, what God wants of us, but this mirror is also a mirror of grace and love. It's not a mirror of shame. When we come to the mirror, we find that we are deeply and intimately loved by God. And he's not calling us into a new place because it's for our pain or trauma, but because it's for our benefit, for life, real life. So, my friends, I'm going to ask you to do the mirror challenge with me this week. Here's the mirror challenge. For every one minute that you look in a mirror this week, I'm going to ask you to read James for a corresponding minute. Here's what's wild, all right? There are some folks that have a fear of mirrors, all right? It's a legit phobia. Iso, isoptrophobia, isoptrophobia. Boom, there it is, friends. A real thing, all right? We will not be people who fear the mirror. Instead, we will be people who go to the mirror. So every time that you look in a mirror, all right, so if you're in middle school, probably means that like you're gonna be reading a lot of James this week, all right? I get you middle schoolers, I'm with you. Look, this hair doesn't happen on accident, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> For every minute that you look in a mirror, or look at yourself in a reflection as you're walking past department stores or downtown where all of the windows seem to be mirrored and you walk by and you're like. I want you to spend a minute reading James. That's the challenge. And as we allow ourselves to sit in front of the mirror of God's word, God will continually transform us as we listen and do. Father God, let us be people who don't just hear your word but put it into practice. Father God, it is our desire 
to be people of the mirror who look and do, who see and do, who hear and do. God, let us not divorce those two things. Being a follower of yours is not simply allowing information to seep into our heads, but allowing it to transform our hearts so that it affects everything that we do. How we talk, how we listen, how we love the poor and oppressed, how we pay attention to the things of this world that are trying to grab our attention. Let us be people of the mirror to see and do. Help us in Jesus' name we pray.